Hello, hello. This is Idle Inspiration, the show about finding our next favorite role-playing game or building it. I'm Caleb. I'm David. And we are here once more to talk about role-playing games, a topic that never gets old that I never uh, don't, don't want to talk about. So we're here once more to continue that ongoing conversation. So last week we talked about Savage Tide. We talked about our... Um, campaign that we did basically the first long-running campaign uh that i ever played and, and david you ever played um right. uh we talked about right the pilot adventure path we used uh, for the campaign the savage tide adventure path and i thought that it would be good if we're just kind of considering all of this stuff in chronological order i'm sure the chronological order will pr- break down after a while uh but <laughs> since we're, we've been doing it so far might as well just keep keep on that track yeah and uh, I thought we'd talk about Dungeons and Dragons 3.5. Um, now, this isn't going to be like an in-depth review of the game. We're not going to go through every mechanic. We're not going to like talk. I imagine other reviews of games will do will be more in-depth than this one. But I kind of wanted to talk about um, this is kind of like a mix of both personal experience episode plus review episode plus abstract episode <laughs> um right we're talking about dungeons yeah. and dragons 3.5 and our experience with it what we liked and disliked about the game and then the sort of stuff that maybe we learned about other games and we won't go too far into that but like just that maybe there's some comparisons and contrasts on um either different editions of dungeons and dragons compared to 3.5 we'll, we'll focus our conversation on 3.5 specifically but if we run across something that's particularly like if we're like this mechanic is done way better in this game and we talk about it briefly um i imagine that's probably where the conversation will go as well um so so david what do you remember just like your overarching thoughts on 3.5 and the third 0.5 edition of dungeons and dragons i guess we could explain that real quick before we get into it further if you don't know what this is do you want to go ahead and, and do that david uh, you mean just 3.5 in general or as in like what? Or? Yeah. What is 3.5? Why is it 3.5? Like, <laughs> oh, that's actually kind of a good. I don't know why they didn't just call it fourth, uh, to be honest. But I mean, basically, it, it was basically the fourth edition of D&D. But my guess is they didn't feel like it was different enough to call it fourth edition yet I, i'm not really sure that was a weird decision okay, well, I, was well, thought, I uh, sorry i thought you actually knew more about the, the history I of it i guess and, not yeah I, yeah so, <laughs> I always so thought it was strange basically what happened right is um wizards of the coast the company that bought Dungeons and dragons right. um from tsr they were they spent a while revamping the entire game right rebranding everything redoing everything and trying to because at this point um role-playing games and dungeons and dragons specifically had very much languished like there had been a a kind of a dead zone for a while where gotcha. nothing new was really happening. The hobby was kind of failing. And so they wanted to r- really revamp this thing, make it new and fresh and, and kind of re envision Dungeons and Dragons and what it can be. Um, and I think they did a They did a good job of what they set out to do. Um, they definitely mm-hmm. re envisioned Dungeons and Dragons and the, the modern Dungeons and Dragons um, experience is directly because of what Wizards of the Coast did with third edition. Um, right. And so what happened is uh, third edition came out in, I believe, 2000 or 2000 okay. soon around that time. Let me let me actually see specifically. Um, but basically what happened is they got a bunch of feedback from. Oh, so it was acquired. The, the com- uh, Dungeons and Dragons was acquired from TSR in 2000. Um, and so. Oh, no, they did actually release. Yeah, in 2000, third edition in 2000. Um, so they obviously Dungeons and Dragons third edition was completely different from second edition, right? Second edition has a bunch right. of really obscure and kind of eth- <laughs> eth- uh, not ethereal. What's the word I'm looking for? Um, uh, what's another word that like it's not obscure esoteric that's the word i'm looking for oh, yeah a bunch of weird obscure and esoteric rules that didn't flow together super well is I, that I, also the division between ad and d and sort of the modern yes exactly thing? that's what yeah, it is okay, i thought yeah. so mm-hmm. yeah yep advanced dungeons and dragons second edition is the game directly before dungeons and dragons so they dropped they dropped the advanced and then just went with dungeons and dragons right again but so right the the main differences were the kind of refocusing on the d20 as the 
the main focal point of everything that happened in Dungeons and Dragons. Okay. Um, and obviously the they 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 focused a lot of it more on I think they kind of went back to the roots in a lot of ways, uh, to the okay. to the war game aspect, right? Because Dungeons and Dragons right. had started kind of straying more into abstract math as a as a opposed to okay. concrete geometry and in right. third edition was very much like we have miniatures on the table there is specific rulings on like how far you're moving in in like yeah. squares rather than just saying you move 30 feet right like it squares became like a thing specifically mm-hmm. in third edition but the main the main difference the main reason that 3.5 existed was uh, Wizards of the Coast was doing something completely new, right? They they were re-envisioning Dungeons and Dragons entirely, and they got a lot of feedback in 2001, 2002, and then in 2003 they released 3.5. Um, so they they basically just revamped the game because they knew they could do it better, and they wanted to take all the feedback that they had gained and and retool the game. But it wasn't looking at the differences myself. I've I've, I've looked at them in the past. There is definitely not that much difference um, comparatively. A lot of what was happening there was streamlining. The the mechanics didn't change. Like the actual base mechanics of the game were exactly the same. Um, okay. The skill list changed. Lots of feats changed. Right. The classes were retooled. Um, stuff like that. But the actual base mechanics of the game were very similar. As opposed to 4th edition, 5th edition, which are entirely different games. Yeah, that's sort of what I figured. I figured yeah. that they just didn't think it was enough to call it a whole new edition. Because I don't know why else you would say 0. 0.5 on anything, yeah. really. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it actually yeah. ended up being pretty successful for them. Um, 3.5 oh, yeah. was very successful. Um, 3rd edition dominated the sphere of role-playing games from the year 2000 to the, to the year 2008. Um, and even even then, 4th uh, edition came out, right? And 4th edition was so drastically different from any other Dungeons & Dragons game before it. It, it. it went so far into the board game, war game kind of aspect of it that a yeah. lot of people just stuck with 3.5 for yeah, a long time. I was going to say, it did seem like they sort of followed that process to the other extreme where it, it lost a lot of the role playing and became almost a small scale war game. Yeah. And then they, they sort of found a, mi- a middle ground with fifth edition, as far as I can tell where they tried to, to do service to both both sides. And I think they did a good job. Yeah. I think they did a good um, job too. Yeah. And yeah. obviously we're going to talk about that. I think there are things that 3.5 does better than fifth edition and vice versa um i think yeah. most of the time fifth edition is doing stuff better yeah, uh, I, was say, I can't think of anything specific but i'm sure there is stuff and it's, i guess specifically for me um and I, I think we talked about this at some point maybe offline but one of the things that jumps out for me with 3.5 immediately is it is very interesting tactically um there's a lot of interesting mm-hmm. stuff happening tactically um it was very fresh and new, especially for the role-playing game community at that time, uh, in that sense. Um, right. it, ha- it definitely had a strength. And obviously, 5th Edition tried to do that really well, too. Um, I found, obviously, 5th Edition does that really well. I found that 3.5 seems to always, seemed to always have more options and versatility uh, mm-hmm. with stuff. Um, and it, like as I've been playing a long running fifth edition campaign, there's definitely been points where I've been like, all right, this fight is starting to feel the same mm-hmm. um, where 3.5, obviously I can get into that too, but at least with the, like all the options that you have for both characters and, and monsters, there's so many wild, weird things that that game managed to do in the eight years that it was around that there's a there's a, an option for just about anyone to try anything, um, and that can be a weakness yeah. too. And I think we talked about that before, <laughs> for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think I, I don't necessarily know if that's a strength of the game though, as much as the fact sure. that it was out for so long that it just had time to accumulate so many things, right? Because we've seen a sort of similar thing with Five E, where obviously the longer it goes on, the more options you have mm-hmm. because just based on the structure of 5e, including the way that 3.5 was, just D&D in general, uh, most of the decision-making comes at the beginning, right? Obviously, yeah. you know, you can make your fighter look a little different than everybody else at level one, and then you can make it look different than the other forms of fighter when you pick a subclass, but mm-hmm. it's still going to look pretty close to every form of that subclass that's out there because that 
you know, it's not, it's not a tree of options, even it's, it's really, it's, it's a list of options that you just unlock. Mm -hmm. So because of that, and let's talk about feats or something because of that, you know, typically things end up looking pretty similar, but when you have a base option list that is eight years long, (laughs) it, uh, it doesn't really matter because you can just pick something that people don't usually play. Um, yeah. And then and it's fine. And of course, uh, well, I'm sure we'll get to it, but that was kind of actually what I was, what I ended up doing in our game. And I mean, I think as much as that's a strength, it's also a weakness because yeah. when you have a lot of stuff, inevitably some of it's bad. Yeah. And the only way you can find that out is to either look it up or in my case, just find out for myself. Um, <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, so it, I think it was sort of a double-edged sword, but yeah. uh yeah, it was definitely a thing that 3.5, because it was around so long, it just had as many things as you could possibly want. <laughs> to, yeah, there there was a very large community surrounding oh, it. Yeah. A lot of, um, and in in I think it's it's say it says something about the success of Dungeons and Dragons Third Edition and all of its varieties that it has lasted so long in the role playing game sphere in. Uh, another incarnation as Pathfinder, um, right. right? Pathfinder is just Dungeons and Dragons 3.75, right? <laughs> Basically, um, yeah. And, by a different company, yeah. And and if you look at the material that has come out from Paizo, like with that game, such a wealth of game content. Oh, yeah. Um, an ama- and an incredibly large fan base. And... I, I think personally, looking at the games, I think Paizo did a fantastic job whenever they were handed the reins of anything Dungeons and Dragons, and they showed mm-hmm. that off once they decided to make Pathfinder based on the, the open gaming license for, for 3.5, right. um, because I think they took 3.5 and ran with it and did much better oh, yeah. things with it than 3.5 even did. Um, yeah, I think, if I, if I, think I was, I was going to say it real quick, <laughs> if I was ever to go back and play the game, I would play Pathfinder for sure. Right. Um, As I say, I think it's generally considered, like you said, 3.75 and that it's the better version of 3.5, right? (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, I've spent some time looking at, I I guess I haven't looked at Pathfinder 2 because I think they did a lot of things that 5th edition did uh, for obvious reasons. Yeah. But I think it, it, as much as it improved on 3.5, it also suffered from a lot of the same things, obviously, Mm -hmm. because it was built on the same bones. Um, And so, yeah, I think it's, it's, fair to say it's better but also that it it struggles for the same a lot of the same reasons yeah. but it definitely just took a lot of the ideas and cleaned them up yeah and in like i i think it's important to remember why role-playing games work the way they do um right when we say better um in a lot of ways what we're saying is um better at doing what it's set out to do right what what the purpose yeah. of the game it says it is um and i think pathfinder second edition which is the like it is a very new game completely right. um it's like the fifth edition to 3.5 with yeah. paizo um and there were kind of there's kind of a split that happened when um fifth edition came out and pathfinder came out or you know that mm-hmm. when those two games were kind of competing against each other fifth edition was for the people who continued wanting the standard Dungeons and Dragons experience, um, the role playing, the the storytelling elements, and they wanted it with no hassle, no fuss. Just give us our adventure without having to think about it too much. Um, that's what we want. Um, pa- Pathfinder was for the people who loved the crunch, who who for them character optimization and numbers were their favorite thing, um, and that's kind of where the split yeah. happened in a lot of ways. And so it really just depends on what you like better, right? Yeah, if you are the kind of person, subjective, yeah. yeah. If you're the kind of person who really likes the math portion of uh, 3.5 and these sorts of games, if you play role-playing games for character optimization with numbers, then Pathfinder is probably your thing. Um, because Fifth Edition, unfortunately, just doesn't have a lot in the way of that. They they really don't. Like mm-hmm. you you choose maybe one or two options mainly. And because right. the because the skill list is very pared down, because a lot of the options are very pared down, it feels much more cohesive, right? Each of the classes are very yeah. distinct and fl- and have good flavor and are balanced well. But you end up being like, if you play enough characters, you end up being like, all right, I've done everything. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, and I think that, you know, the reason I said, because obviously 
uh, quality is definitely subjective, especially when it comes to, you know, a rule system, right? A game. Yeah. But I, I think the reason that I said better is because you, I mean, as a person, I would consider myself the kind of person who likes to optimize. Yeah, I'm sure. sure. Yeah. And for me, you know, and we've sort of talked about that in previous episodes. I, I am a min-maxer. And for me, I, I actually, I played Starfinder. So it was, or is that what it was called? Yeah, Starfinder, which is basically just Pathfinder, but they they in space. Yeah, and I did not enjoy it because it was to an extreme where I felt like in order to get what I wanted, I had to spend an inordinate amount of time trying to actually find. Because that's the thing, right? (laughs) It's sort of a conundrum where in Five E you get to the end, you're like, okay, I've done all the things, and in reality, you haven't. You've just done all the optimal things you've done all the useful things and in pathfinder it's the same you just don't know that you've only done the useful things because there's so many parts to it uh and not in pathfinder specifically but in 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 the more in those more um uh granular systems and that's why i felt like at least in my opinion it's it's better because if iv rather is better because it has done and it might be a little oversimplified, but it's allowed you to to sort of find what you get, what you want without and like build sort of a, a optimized character without having to like fight the game to get there. You know what I mean? Or like to fight a bunch of menus and stuff, Yeah, which is usually how I feel. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, that's just a question of refining games through time, right? You found, okay, what is actually satisfying and what is excessive and and just bulk, right? That we can cut out while still giving people choice. And I won't say that anybody's ever found the perfect balance there because I doubt everyone anyone ever will. And it's too subjective to to say anyways. Yeah. But I know, especially for me, even as somebody who likes to min max, it just was there were so many plus ones and little things and all like basically the choices I was making that almost felt like they weren't choices because they were so minuscule that it was, it was right. <laughs> difficult. Right. Yeah. And again, you know, there are people who are more into that than me who were like, no, that's totally what I want. I want to, to do every little plus one. Um, but I, I usually prefer <laughs> getting there in a more, in a more concise way. Um, yeah. I usually consider that just better because it seems more yeah. well-designed, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, for sure. And that's, I mean, but, you know, to be fair, that's why I play 5e and not 3.5 or Pathfinder. And there are tons of people who would definitely choose Pathfinder over uh, 5e. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I guess it is fair to say it's not straight better, but that is why I chose that. Yeah, makes <laughs> uh, sense. Uh, vocabulary for it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'll have to say uh, <laughs> there's a lot of basically 3.5 or 3, I guess, so 3.5 built the foundation for what was the vast majority of mainstream role-playing in general for in, a long time, in, right? in our in our time period yeah and in, in oh, the yeah. 2000s for sure yeah right because i mean even then even now you see lots of games come out and of course there's tons of completely uniquely designed yeah. games now but many games will still be like all right here's your six stat points and you're like they lifted this straight out of D and that's usually the case with a lot of systems in those games, which isn't bad, but it's just, you can see the inspiration for D and D in literally so many games, <laughs> even nowadays. Um, and there's a reason for that, right? Like it, it worked for people. And uh, even if there was a better way to do it, that's not always what people want. People want the way that they're familiar with, you know? Um, mm-hmm. And that's why it's still, I mean, that's why, <laughs> that's why when you stream a tabletop role-playing game on Twitch, you don't stream an RPG, you stream D&D. You see stream Dungeons and Dragons, yeah. Because you want people to know <laughs> what you're talking about. Yep. So, you know, it's, it's, there's, that's a thing for a reason is what I'm trying to yeah. say. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah, so, so David, when you're thinking about your experience with 3.5 and like what you liked, didn't like, or just was a thing that you observed, um, what's the sort of stuff that comes to your mind? I know there's one thing that for sure <laughs> we could talk about, but yeah, well, honestly, um, you know, it, it did the job, right? It was fun and <laughs> it gave you a lot of freedom to do silly stuff and, and to try and find the, the right way to do things and stuff. Yeah. Uh, and I think, like I was saying earlier, that granularity, while it was interesting, was also sort of a lot of it was excess bulk. I mean, I remember, 
you know, for instance, in, in 5e, right, uh, there's a few classes that get a second attack and then the fighter who gets a handful of attacks. But even at level 20, the most they can get out in a turn is like eight. Right. Uh, yeah. For the most part. Mm-hmm. Whereas and I, I may be remembering this incorrectly, but I'm pretty sure in our 5e game, most people had like at least four or five attacks, like a single yeah. turn took us. I think what was it? We we had one round or one one session where we had eight people, and I think it I think it actually took about an hour to get to a turn. And given there were seven other players or six or seven other players, but we played all day, and I think we basically did one fight, if I remember correctly. Um, I I can't think of specifically when that might have been, but I would not be surprised. Yeah, just because, and I mean, to, to give. Uh, 3.5 a fair shake uh, we're very we were very distractible very distractible uh, yeah. so it wasn't entirely on that but there was just i feel like so much that you could do to the point where you could do too much and it, it really made things take a long time in a way that was kind of unnecessary right you could have eight attacks or you could just have two good attacks and yeah. more or less the same thing yeah um and <laughs> That was uh, what I found out when I when I changed my character to the fighter, right? Like I, right. I had like a million attacks. Yeah. Um, and you kind of needed them in three point five because stuff was pretty rough uh, on like the enemies are pretty pretty harsh. Yeah. Um, and uh, that sort of led to my to my least favorite thing about. Uh, 3.5 which was damage reduction right and that was because damage reduction felt like a mechanic that didn't understand the rest of the game to me <laughs> because it was basically like saying if you are a class who re- relies on consistency and accuracy and stuff you are irrelevant because every powerful monster had damage reduction and so unless your attack was doing a significant amount of damage which usually meant you were only getting a handful of attacks yeah. uh you're useless. If you got a lot of attacks, but they were weaker, like for instance, I picked the, the duelist class because that fit my character's swashbuckler, concept, but yes. Right? It was swashbuckler, you're right. Yeah. Uh, I like that idea a lot. And so I picked it. And the swashbuckler was all about you attacked a ton. You had uh a, well, you were supposed to have a very good crit range. It turned out I could just get a insanely better crit range by being a fighter, but we didn't find that out until the last session. <laughs> Because uh, I think as a duelist, I, or, or sorry, as a swashbuckler, I was critting on like eighteen it was to pretty twenty. Crazy. I think yeah, it was eighteen twenty. And then as a fighter, I was critting on like a nine. You were critting on a nine, yes, exactly. <laughs> Which is I don't know how that's even an option, but so and I mean that's the thing though, right? The fighter is usually considered like a, a brawny kind of thing, and you would think the swashbuckler would be better at the crit attack thing than the fighter, but not not even by long shot, not not by not even close. Um, and that was the frustrating thing, right? Was uh, that I was mentioning earlier, where you have enough options. The swashbuckler was worse at swashbuckling than the fighter. There was no reason to have a swashbuckler, <laughs> and that was just a product of you know eight years of coming up with stuff. Some of it's not going to do its job well, um, and that's actually why I really I really liked the um, approach that Five E has taken, where it, the fighter is the fighter, and if you want to do the fighter differently, you take a different subclass because the fighter still does the fighter's job <laughs> no matter how you go about it. Um, and while it, that does end up limiting you a lot, I feel like it's a much more aware, the system is much more aware of its own weaknesses because it it acknowledges that if you just try and do the fighter differently, you're probably either going to do it worse or you're going to make the fighter useless. One of the two will happen, right? Um, but that's sort wow. of a tangent. Well, this is interesting. I, so I just but, found the, right, the class again. Oh, yeah. Um, Apparently, when you get to the higher levels, though, you get stuff like weakening critical at 14th level or higher. Uh, a swashbuckler who, who scores a critical hit against a creature also deals two points of strength damage to the creature. Like, wow. <laughs> you can take someone out <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. really quickly with that. Well, yeah, because the idea with that character, right, was you were, you were attacking a lot, you were critting more than normal, and yeah. the, the issue with it was that even at like medium levels, if I didn't crit, I didn't do, I had to crit to do normal amounts of damage. Right. Which was very, very frustrating. Um, especially when we were going up against enemies with lots of damage reduction and everyone else, I basically, I wasn't contributing at all, right. which is the worst thing that you could have in a tactical game. Right? Yeah. I just feel like somebody doesn't 
isn't doing anything. So what are you know, the that things was too, one of the things rough, too to consider right. about like the, the particular game we were playing is there's one we weren't very good at role playing games yet. Um, okay, I feel like true. there had to have been some of that in in the way that I I wonder if we were to take a, like a genuine stab at three point five again. Well, I wonder if we would have a better time with it than we did i'm um, sure that we would have a better time yeah i yeah. i still feel like the whole time i'd be like if this was 5e we would have been done an hour ago and it would have been easier right though but, though uh roll 20 has made a lot of the math very very easy to manage um that's yeah. actually what I, I was talking to a friend about yeah. that the other day where i was thinking about doing i want to do another run at savage tide um mm-hmm. but you know the idea was to do a fifth edition conversion of it um with a different group of, of uh, players and right. see how it, it shook out differently but then i was thinking i was like i wonder if we just did pathfinder like i wonder if that would work well because if we yeah. did pathfinder like there's so much rule 20 um accessibility with that right. uh it would probably be pretty easy to do but my players sure, like fifth yeah. edition anyway so i you know right. it makes sense to just do that you know and i you mentioned the math and that was another thing um there was a lot more strange math in 3.5 it was a lot less simple yeah. than in fifth edition Very now, true. that really didn't bother me specifically because it was still you were cutting things in halves or quarters. It was it was pretty still pretty simple. Yeah. But the issue I had with it was how much math there was. You were always doing a ton of math, even yep. though it was all very simple. Yep. Um, which I think is another place where where later editions were like, yeah, we could just have there be less math yep. and be basically the same. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, by function of not having as many attacks, right? That's less very simple edition, but, <laughs> uh, and it just, it just helps streamline things. But, um, I, yeah, I think it also, to be fair, um, a lot of people I know I talked to when I was younger and, and getting interested in that kind of stuff were saying, you know, that tabletop role-playing games help them with math. And that was, that was, that's the thing, right? As much as I say there was more math, like it was a negative thing. Yeah you don't have to use your brain to play RPGs anymore as far as like actually doing those kinds of, right. It's, it's all yeah. just, which is good, right. You want to be able to focus on the storytelling and stuff theoretically, right. That's the idea, but it's good to be able to learn while you're playing a hobby. And I think especially playing online has really kind of taken a lot of that out because you don't, you don't have to do any work anymore. <laughs> it's not, it's not really that helpful for math anymore. Yeah. Um, yeah. which I guess is what it is, but you know, um, I, I still think that's probably for the best in the long run as yeah. far as creating better. St- it's, it's not getting in the way of your stories. Right? Yeah. It's definitely more accessible but, that way. Yeah, exactly. Um, um, so, but I did yeah. just think that was an interesting note. Um, uh, I think when I first bought my, when I bought my first 3.5 like books with my parents, uh, the guy at the, table the salesman right the, the checkout guy was like yeah i you know i my math grades improved a lot when i was playing D. that was yeah. part of the sales pitch right nice. which you know yeah it doesn't, doesn't really count anymore but uh yeah, yeah it's just an interesting note uh, about mm-hmm. that for sure um, uh there's something else that i was going to mention when we were talking about um uh oh yeah just talking about uh if we were to to take another stab at at 3.5 right. like I, I feel like there was several mitigating factors with that campaign um that also may have may have uh had some influence i think the other one to consider is that savage tide is an adventure path and i was playing it pretty straight to the book um yeah. and i feel like there's always something to be said about situations where you seem it seems like a class is totally gimped but it just happens to be that all of the enemies that you're facing are the ones that specifically gimp your class, right? And in D and D, there's there's kind of a give and take, right? Between um, you want your character, the characters in the game, to be good at stuff, but you don't want them to be always good at stuff, right? You want to be right. able to have times where other characters can shine in specific ways. I think part of the issue with for us was that we didn't have any spellcasters, or at least no good spellcasters, and so the right. party was always unbalanced and because i was basically playing it straight to the book that made it really difficult for some of the encounters to to feel like at the very least to feel like fun because mm-hmm. it was it was an uphill battle all the time or it was yeah. so easy that it didn't even matter right uh, mm-hmm. those were the yeah. kind of two extremes that we had going on um, yeah for sure which i mean i think <laughs> to to your first point if 
your game or maybe if your adventure only had one kind of like if, if the adventure just happens to have all the enemies give your class that's a very poorly written <laughs> adventure because right. they're not taking that into account right right whereas if it was just the fact that because the way it seemed to me and again it may have just been the adventure because that was my experience it seemed like D's answer to i need a harder monster was damage reduction and then among other things but yeah it seemed like anytime we were like this is a hard monster the answer was damage reduction which again may have just been the person writing the adventure but it didn't certainly didn't seem that way because if that's the case then they literally had to they must have had to filter out all the other monsters that had other mechanics because yeah they it felt like most difficult enemies had it yeah and that is obviously like i said it's an issue when you have classes that are focused on mm-hmm. uh rather than burst sustain stuff right yeah um so yeah i think you know it's fair that that may have been a weakness of the um the adventure itself as opposed yeah. to the, the game overall uh, i guess i can't really say one way or the other but yeah and that's and that's what i'm just kind of wondering out loud right because um right, yeah. i think part of it too is that when you have um and I'm not necessarily even like defending damage reduction as a concept, right. as a as a yeah. game mechanic, because I thought it was dumb too. Um, but I almost wonder if, because we were inexperienced at role-playing games at that time, we just weren't taking something into account that would have made it feel more balanced or feel easier um, than it was, right? Or like, you know, mm-hmm. there, there might have been something that we didn't think into account for the swashbuckler or the encounters or something. Um, I don't want to, this is one of the things I think mainly I'm thinking about when talking about this game is I have a very particular experience with 3.5 and that is me learning how role-playing games work at all that it was with 3.5. So like I, there's a part of me that wants to not be too harsh with it because I feel like in another life, in another part of my life, (laughs) I would have had a much more objective standard by which to base 3.5 on so um, yeah i'm curious how well it would hold up now yeah yeah and i mean that's that's definitely a possibility but also and to be fair we were pretty young like you said new but a big part of a game is to make its (laughs) its uh mechanics accessible right and you know it could have done that and we just missed it that's possible yeah but and you know we were young and, and not as as maybe familiar with the kind of things that we should be looking for so maybe we just miss them but it is definitely to be said that it's it's on a game to make it that kind of thing clear right um because if you're if you're not making it clear how to to interact with the mechanics then people are going to miss it yeah Uh, and again i'm not saying that that's the case but yeah it's for sure that's the thing right inexperience can can look bad on a game when really it's just you know, we, we just didn't really have a grasp on stuff, but you know, and, and the reason that I'm not really sure how much that's the case is because there were characters that didn't have any trouble, like take Nimlar mm-hmm. who actually um, was in a similar situation to me. His character was a lot of attacks, right? He, yeah. he shot like seven arrows around. Yeah. Uh, the difference was that all of his arrows were pretty, were pretty solid. <laughs> they were pretty strong. Um, he didn't have to crit to do damage. Right. Which is why I, think that really my criticism's most criticism criticism rather uh-huh. <laughs> was mostly at the class that I played because even in our group we had someone who filled a similar role and it worked fine. Yeah. Um, and that was because it was a relatively core class as far as I'm aware. I think he, he was playing a ranger, right? Um mm-hmm. and so uh, to be fair, I took a gamble by playing something in a random side book that was probably like five years after the game was written. Uh, <laughs> although I didn't realize at the time how much of a gamble it was. Yeah. Um, so that's why, you know, and, and again, that's not necessarily even a critique on the game as a whole as much as just a single written class. Because I don't expect necessarily the game to uh, evolve around a class that's written five years into its progress, right? Yeah. It's it's on the onus of the person writing the class to make it fit the game. Um, and I guess to be fair, that sort of counters what I was saying earlier when I, cause I felt that the game didn't compensate for classes that made a lot of attacks at lower damage, but I really think it did because like I said, Lance's R- Ranger filled that role well. Yeah. So in fact, he was probably the most effective character damage wise um, as far, at least in my memory. Uh, so yeah, I feel like maybe, it was really just 
skewed from my perspective with that class. Right. Um, and because if I imagine it from his perspective, it's, it usually worked well. Now firing seven arrows around was the kind of thing that, you know, is the, the kind of thing that makes me prefer 5e. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, I I do think maybe that I my opinion on that is was a little skewed just from there because I think that the base game, even with the damage reduction, still handled his high attack volume style mm-hmm. pretty, pretty well. Um, but having played the fighter a lot in 5e, um, I think it just handles that kind of stuff in a more um, graceful way, I guess. Sure. But yeah. At any rate, yeah, I, I wouldn't be opposed to giving it a look over again sometime. Um, I know, especially, I'm sure they have automated processes. Creating a character was pretty daunting for me back yeah. then. Very true. Again, it's first time around, and I was trying to figure it out through the book. Yeah. Um, and I remember just staring at those pages, having absolutely zero idea what I was supposed to do, <laughs> yeah. um, which could be, a, you know, a thing to be said about the design of the book it could also just be mm-hmm. an experience for me. Yeah. Um, but I was basically just staring at a wall of text and I wasn't positive what I was supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, nowadays, I'm sure they have a program for that that makes it super easy. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, that would make a, giving it another step much less daunting. Yeah. And um, honestly, I would be interested in that specifically like to give out Pathfinder a try um, because right. I don't think we ever really gave path. I think I know no. we like planned a Pathfinder game at one point and played did, yeah. maybe one session of it. Um, but I have all of the books, like literally all of them. There was a humble <laughs> bundle that like yeah. 30 bucks. Yeah, I, I, I own that. everything now. Um, mm-hmm. So I would be interested in and picking up one of those. I also have quite a few of the Starfinder books. That's also yeah. something we could give a shot. But, so, um, so one random yeah. thing, just as this is off topic but yeah go ahead. i just randomly found that um ian publishing is um making a, a game called level up which is the working title for a standalone advanced fifth edition basically a crunchier more flexible version of the 5e rule set which you know and love um it hmm. should be backwards compatible to all of the the like the actual 5e books but basically it would give give it more crunch give it more options and customization um it sounds like they have you know we hope to include a fully developed exploration pillar flexible character choices at each level a new approach to heritage martial maneuvers a cinematic slash gritty toggle uh spell less spellless rangers and warlords and followers and strongholds and more i'm interested in seeing what that yeah. ends up oh that sounds like. good to me yeah Honestly. that sounds cool because i feel like there is a lot of stuff that like if you you know if you're thinking about uh, a role-playing game like uh the burning wheel um in the same way that the burning wheel presents itself, right? You have the, the, the core mechanics and you have all the, 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 the base of the wheel and then the spokes. Uh, I would be interested in adding some spokes to five E um, to see what other subsystems sure. could be added onto that. Yeah. Cause I think if, if D and D as a whole has any weaknesses for me, the biggest ones are, it has an immensely almost cripplingly heavy reliance on combat. Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. It is a fighting game. It, I always described, especially 3.5 as, a a tactical war game with context right that's how it always felt to me because and 5e is a little less so but still right the tools that you're given are combat tools yeah so i would love to see other other systems built in that that work well with what's given uh out of the book and the other thing is the sort of cookie cutter nature of stuff right where I mean, inevitably, if you add options to stuff, there will be suboptimal options just because it's impossible to do all that math beforehand and yeah. actually figure out what's decent, you know, yeah. but it's like, it's still, it's still good to have options, right? Even if there's spells on your list that don't get taken, at least yeah. there's options. Right. Like and, I would love to have um, subsystems that worked like the combat for Dungeons and Dragons, but with mm. exploration and right, social sure. thing. Like I would love a duel of wits mechanic oh, thing. Yeah. Like I would, I want for that sure. subsystem for Dungeons and Dragons because I feel like if it's based on the same mechanics, they could do it really well and it oh, would feel awesome. Um, mm. But because of that, yeah, like cultural, almost traditional reliance on yeah. combat in D and D it gimps the rest of the, the fantasy storytelling it attempts to pull off yeah. Um, yeah. As soon as you stray from the 
adventuring, killing things path, it, it becomes very clear. Right. Yeah. And I, yeah. So honestly, I think that you could do those systems pretty well with what D and D gives you, you yeah. know, the, the, the spirit of D and D. Yep. Um, and it would, it would strengthen the game overall significantly. Um, yep. And, you know, I'd love to see, even if it was just like, here's a branching tree of options. It's just two lanes and you pick one on each thing. That's still literally double the options yeah. <laughs> in, in most cases that you get from a class as it stands. Um, mm-hmm. Of course, sometimes you get like, you pick a martial maneuver and you have like 10 options. And, and those right. honestly are my favorite, are my favorite things because most of the, for the most part, they're all relatively balanced. You just pick what you think is cool. Right. Um, and I would love, I would love more, variety in in the basic setup um because as long as they remain sort of the thematic and like punchy abilities that give you enough power without giving you a ton of extra mechanical complexity right you know you can have more options options don't usually hurt things as long as you're not what's on your character sheet isn't daunting right yeah so i yeah i'm always a fan of that kind of stuff um yeah, it does. Really cool, it, yeah, and, I know for sure. And I, I'm messing around with some other stuff now. Uh, Pathfinder does have a built-in character mancer on the real, on roll twenty. Oh yeah, uh, I'm sure. Yeah, so that's cool. that's cool. That's cool. Yeah, Sam, I wonder, I wonder what options that. they have though. Interesting. Maybe we'll have to do a Pathfinder episode. Yeah, no, I think we should. I think that would be fun. Um, okay. Maybe we can roll up a Pathfinder character on it and just see how it goes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But uh, any other yeah. thoughts for three point five? I mean, I, I feel like I've, I mean, I've I've gotten a lot of my grievances out, but I <laughs> honestly like I did enjoy playing, right? Yeah. And it did what D and D always does pretty well, which is capture that sense of, you know, over the top, crazy fantasy adventure, right? That's yep. the reason that people liked it, you know. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> I can't I can't say that it's a bad game because it's not, and it wouldn't have spawned an entire. Uh, culture of this kind of stuff if it was bad yeah uh, i do think that's we've progressed a lot since then and hopefully we would have it's an older yeah. game now but uh definitely you know it there's no question that it uh established a foundation for all the stuff we see now basically mm-hmm. um even if just in the interest in the medium right yeah for sure so um and one of the things that i i think 3.5 did a really good job of is it not only like did it re-envision mechanics for Dungeons and Dragons, but it re-envisioned the setting of Dungeons and Dragons a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, all of our, like, uh, not all of them, but like a significant portion of like the staple cosmology and lore of Dungeons and Dragons comes from third edition in a lot of ways, uh, at least uh, in, gotcha. in, the, in the the way that we understand them now, right? Is that where Forgotten Realms started? Or is that Forgotten, right? Forgotten Realms was around before that, um, okay. but Forgotten Realms is actually a very interesting case study because Forgotten <laughs> Realms has been around since like th- almost the beginning of Dungeons and Dragons. And so it, they, and they have kept the setting through every, um, every edition. Wow. And so they have had to change the world very drastically sometimes. I'm sure. And yeah. come up with reasons for why Forgotten Realms suddenly has dragonborns and tieflings when it didn't before. <laughs> like they literally oh, yeah. had to make it's up funny. for things that happen in the setting huh. for like those races to be around. Uh, and it's very, right. very fascinating. Um, but stuff that I'm thinking of is like, you know, cosmology stuff, like the planes and the way that they work. Right. Um, very distinctly. 3.5 in a lot of ways or third yeah, edition specifically but. definitely what were you saying you were saying earlier reminded me of pokemon which does the opposite where it's like we're not actually going to talk about this at all it's just <laughs> they exist now don't think about it <laughs> yeah it turns so. out that there's an entirely new region of pokemon we've never talked about them before but yeah they've yeah. always been around also we're never going to talk about the other pokemon yeah. anymore <laughs> many of them can fly have superpowers swim teleport but they never made it over here for some reason <laughs> exactly and, uh, yeah, but at any rate. <laughs> but like, you know, settings like Greyhawk and yeah. uh, Eberron uh, exist right. because of third edition. Um, Definitely. And they have had long lasting impact. Uh, Paizo mm. itself is so influential nowadays because of their work with Dungeons and Magazine right. and the, the work that they got to do on Dungeons and Dragons. Um, so there's a lot of stuff going on there uh, to pick mm. apart. Uh, in terms of mechanical stuff for me, um, 
I... I really did like the options that it gave GMs specifically. Um, it is so easy in 3.5, as long as you understand math, right? As long as you get math and you can figure out the math, like there are so many options available to you to create any monster in any way, shape or form and to understand the underlying mechanics well. Fifth edition, I, I gotta be honest, it's really difficult to understand how monsters work in fifth edition, like wh mm -hmm. why they are the way they are, like why the mechanics work the way that they do. Um, 3.5 lays it out very easily for everyone. And, and it gives a bunch of templates, templates in 3.5 were one of the lifesavers of that game, because you could literally just apply it to any monster and it would automatically oh. tell you how, how much it increased in CR, what stuff changed, what it added. Um, oh. And so you can make anything a vampire, right? Anything a zombie. <laughs> That's uh, really cool. And yeah, it'd be really I'm, easy to do. I've taken the gander at the 5e like systems for creating monsters. Yeah. And they're pretty obtuse. It's mostly lots yeah. of cross-referencing tables. Exactly. It, it doesn't make like, it's hard to understand why the monsters are the way they are. We're 3.5. Right. Like every, every NPC and every monster in that game has underlying base mechanics. That's the same as players. Like everything works on the uh, same underlying mechanic, mechanical level. So you can okay. always understand how mechanics are working because you're like, ah, yes, this has, thing has three levels of monster, <laughs> right? Um, instead okay. of it just being, it's a CR7 dragon. Yeah. Why? I, I don't know. <laughs> I always did think it was really strange that playing monsters and playing characters felt like playing two completely different games to me. Yeah. In the little bit that I messed with it. Yep. Because they, they just, yeah, they're in an entirely different system. And I didn't realize the 3.5 that they were so congruous uh, yep. between very two, easy to is much more. I'm surprised they didn't try and carry something like that over. Cause yeah. I mean, maybe I guess building templates for every monster, maybe that's just a lot of work. <laughs> I don't know, but they're not monster, but um, right. You know, like, and like, I, I'm sure it was a specific I, design choice, right? I'm sure that they thought sure. like, we want the monsters to work differently than players. Um, but I think ultimately for me, I don't, I don't think it was a good choice at the very least. It wasn't easy for GMs for, at least for me no, to, to pick yeah. up on and understand the mechanics well enough. Um, like a bunch of people make homebrew fifth edition stuff. Oh, um, yeah, but I have never tried my hand at it because I just don't get it. I don't, I don't <laughs> understand how it works. And like, I basically at this point when I jam fifth edition, I use the search option a lot uh, and I just yeah. find whatever monster Same. might work for me. And I maybe change some names around and there you go. Um, yeah, exactly. Cause it's, it's a lot harder to build something that works than it is to just find something that's close enough and yeah. change some stuff, which honestly is like when I looked at the monster section, there were, that was the first thing they said, find something that looks good and repaint it. And then they're like, if that doesn't work, here's the 30 tables you can cross. <laughs> I was yeah. like, oh, okay. So it definitely, I think, um, I think that 5e could have done a better job of that. And mm -hmm. knowing that they've done a better job of 3.5, that's kind of weird. That they, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and that was one of the things that I noticed very particularly a couple of times. One, when I was, um, in, in Terranolias, there have been several times where my, my long-running 5e campaign, mm -hmm. uh, there have been several times where uh, I've seen, you know, I've had to make NPCs uh, for one reason or another. And sometimes they're antagonistic, sometimes they're, they're allies. And I've gone back and forth between using player character classes and NPC levels. Right. And every yeah. time I do, like, it's so different every single time. The, the characters, when I make an, an NPC that has character levels, they suck. Like it's impossible to play them well because it's so dependent on class synergy with all the other members of the party and right. like the way that all is working together that I, and I don't, I just don't get that as a GM. Like I haven't played fifth edition enough to be proficient in that area. Right. And so I guess in, in that sense, it's maybe useful to have the monsters the way that they are. Um, because I don't have to like understand that, but honestly, I feel like yeah. the only reason I haven't understood it is because it's impossible to understand. Um, yeah, I feel like if, if you have an option between, sorry, my wife's putting that went down. Yeah, there. you're good. Um, uh, I turned my sensitivity up a little bit. Hopefully that'll help. Cool. Uh, I feel like when you have the option between 
building a system that is uh, able to be digested in a way that you can then manipulate it how you like, or mm-hmm. having a system that works and then just having people use the system <laughs> and not be able to you know see what's under the hood and manipulate it. It's always that always feels worse to me because especially in an RPG where half the time the book's not going to have what you want, you have to be able to understand the building blocks to be able to get what you want. Yeah. And so if instead of them giving you a box with no screws and being like, use the box, it's better to be given a box with lots of screws. And like, here's how we put everything together. If you want to mess with any of it, this is how you do it. You yeah. Because that box is way more customizable now, way more effective. <laughs> Even if it takes a little bit of reading to, to figure it all out, at least you can. Right. Yeah. So I, I definitely agree with that in general. I think any game that can give you tools uh, like I, most games I read now have a how to hack our game at the end of the book, right? Yep. And I feel like they all benefit from that. Yeah, for sure. And and so like the the one time I, you know, Ternalius has given me a taste of of the differences there, and it and it's just it is weird. It's it's very difficult to like get the feel I want across of like an NPC who's good at stuff but isn't ridiculously monster good at stuff because it's just suddenly like all right, this this monster or this npc ally is supposed to like be more or less the same as you guys in skill level or whatever they are your same cr or whatever and no they're actually actually have like a hundred more hit points than you do and they have spells four levels higher than you can cast and it just doesn't make any sense um and and it makes sense if that's the boss fight and they're fighting it but It, it would make it would be so much easier if I could just if it all worked on the same scale. And the other the other yeah. thing I've noticed about that made me notice it more is when I I was listening back through our Savage Tide campaign and I wanted to try to um, start converting Savage Tide to Fifth Edition just like for fun. Oh boy. Um, yeah. And I found a lot of like um, you know comparative things that I could. Uh, that I could use you know like just monsters that like work for the same sort of thing but a lot of times when i was looking at the way that 3.5 put together these monsters uh specifically for like chaos beasts the 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 things that get uh changed by the shadow pearl um right right it's a template right you could that you can apply on anything and i was just like sitting there Uh, like oh this is so difficult to try to make any of these monsters yeah because i have to find a way to make a template in 5e and i don't know how any of this works um yeah so and that, the, the template is such a cool idea too because if you can make your own template then you just immediately modified every monster in the book right i yeah. mean theoretically exactly. so that's such a powerful tool i yeah i honestly it might be fun to try and figure out how to convert that system to 5e and i, I haven't tried so i don't even know if that's possible but right yeah um but yeah that, that's one of the things that i really liked about 3.5 was just the uh, it, it was very easy for GMs to, at the very least, understand what was going on, whether or not they wanted to try their hand at making yeah. the new stuff. They they got, like, why yeah. the monsters fit together the way they did. And, you know, I wonder if that is one of the benefits of having every little thing be uh, modular, um, you know, every little yeah. plus one, because then yeah. you can change every little plus one. Exactly. And, um, and, you know, doing that on its own would probably be a lot of work. But if you have things like templates to help yeah, you exactly. do them quickly, then that obviously takes a lot of the effort mm-hmm. off of it. Um, so, yeah, that, that's probably part of why I got lost in translation, right? It's just yeah. a lot more things have been condensed and uh, sort of abstracted, I guess, in 5e that it makes tweaking those things a little harder. Um, so, yeah. yeah, that's... It's an interesting point. It does sound like a much more usable system. Yep. Um, I'm trying to think of any other like thoughts that you might have on on 3.5. Uh, any other stuff that jumped out to you? Um, I remember always feeling like magic was super overpowered, and I'll bet you it was just because we didn't have a magic caster. Yeah. Um, they were yeah, all, they were just enemies of yours all the time. <laughs> every time we fought magic, yeah. I was like, "This is dumb." <laughs> But that's just because we didn't have anybody who could do anything about it. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, that had to do with the party balance more than anything else. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, honestly, I mean, I'm trying to think like specific things I can point to as to like 
that I enjoyed about it because uh, I, I did enjoy it. And, you know, I didn't play it for eight hours a day. Uh, or a because week, you I didn't guess. like it. <laughs> because I, right. Yeah. I mean, there were definitely moments of frustration, but if I didn't like it, I wouldn't have kept playing. And I'm, I'm trying to think of any of this. It's a lot easier to pinpoint things I didn't like than, uh, as far as like to isolate the mechanics yeah. and things that I, that, you know, made it enjoyable. Um, yeah. I don't know. It, Honestly, it was, yeah, it was just generally a good, a good time. <laughs> yeah. It, oh, I was going to uh, say, I haven't, I haven't like tore apart the game super much myself. So I think one thing I, yeah. I didn't like was, um, it, it does get pretty crunchy at the higher levels, especially like way more yeah. so than 5e. I, we're, we're at, we're getting to level 16 with the characters in oh, 5e wow. now. Yeah. It basically runs more or less the same as, yeah as the earlier levels. Um, and yeah. I honestly, I'm really impressed by that. Like 5e, I think does a really good job of making Definitely. so that the combats don't ever feel bloated. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like 3.5, man, when you, we, when we did that last battle for the final session, so long. Yeah. And I think, I think that was probably the fight I was talking about where it felt like it took the whole time. I don't think it did, but it felt like it. Well, um, it did for you because you showed up right when we started the fight. <laughs> so that was the whole time you were there. That doesn't make sense. Then. Yep. Um, yeah, I think uh, it definitely has a more like, and maybe I'm remembering it wrong, but it does seem basically like every time you get something, it's something new in 3.5, whereas in a lot of 5th edition stuff is taking what you have and improving it. Right. Uh, in such a way that it doesn't add a lot of bulk because it yep. just works differently and better now as opposed to being like, hey, maybe you could also do this. Um, and yeah, because it even in the middle levels, like really, it would really pile on the amount of things you had to pay attention to. Uh, so yeah, I definitely, definitely agree with that. Well, cool. Yeah. Um, I think we are definitely going to pick up this general topic uh in the near future here we want to sit down with my brother connor and have an episode about yeah. um leaving 3.5 right like on on, mm-hmm. on the transition that we made between 3.5 and other role-playing games specifically the mistborn adventure game was the next game that we played yep. um and so i'd love the, to talk with him about that sort of stuff that moment when all role players realize that there's a game besides dnd uh, yeah and, uh, exactly yeah and that there are better games besides dnd um yep. Mistborn Adventure game isn't necessarily one of them, but <laughs> no. It was at least the the uh very well painted sort of shoddy door that we walked through. Um <laughs> yeah, for sure. So yeah. Cool. Yeah, I look forward to, to talking about that. Uh having Connor on and uh yep. sort of seeing what he thought about that. That'll be interesting too. For sure, for sure. Uh yeah, so I guess um, one of the things I want to do at the end of, of these episodes is, you know, similar to what I do with the Christian artists, which is, you know, give people links and stuff that they can go to. Yeah, yeah. So uh, obviously you can find the, the podcast is at the, its own website, idleinspirationshow.com. Um, we are on Twitter, uh, idle underscore show. Um, I don't know how active that Twitter will be, but at the very least when a new episode comes out, right, it's going to be there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Facebook at, at uh, facebook.com slash idle inspiration show. Um, obviously this is going to be on YouTube and on your favorite podcatcher. Uh, it's honestly everywhere now. I've gotten these podcasts pretty much everywhere that there are podcasts such as Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Overcast, Stitcher, Spotify, and Castro. They're all there. Um, come check out the podcast, all of the podcasts that we do, um, including Chrome Quizzers, uh, your favorite uh, RPG actual play podcast using the brand new wheel rules. Uh, new episode came out today. Second episode. Uh, it's out right now. You can check it out. And uh, other than that, yeah, we'll... Uh, oh, yeah. I just realized this episode is not going to come out for a wa- long time. So by the, t- <laughs> by the time this episode actually comes out, the second episode will have been out for a long time. <laughs> so disregard that as being yeah, new news. The joys of pre-recording things. Exactly. <laughs> things. Exactly. Um, but yeah, would you like to say our outro, David? Thanks for watching, guys. This has been Idle Inspiration, and we hope you're inspired to play more role-playing games. Yep. Adios. See you.